Well, a big question on everyone's mind. How could Selena be missing for 20 days with searches happening for 20 days and search crews miss finding her body? But she wasn't there. Them sick bastards brought her back. Our women are not turning up dead in fields or thrown over fences on their own accord. And that's what law enforcement wants the world to believe. My name is Emma Jane. And when I became aware of the crisis of missing and murdered indigenous people in Montana, I picked up my life and moved out here to try to understand these stories and do what I can to get more eyes on them. I'm not an investigator. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a cop. This podcast is a one-woman operation to talk about true crime through the lens of systemic oppression and to be a platform for the community to tell the truth of their stories, the truth that you won't see on the news. This is Out of Sight, Missing and Murdered. Hey guys, welcome back. Thank you for coming back after such a long hiatus. I hope you all know I missed you guys. Thank you so much for all the supportive messages and all the likes and shares on the articles from the Facebook page I've written during the hiatus. You guys are the absolute best. But I know that y'all are here to hear about Selena's story, so let's go ahead and get right into it. And sorry as I am to start off on such a bummer note, I just have to tell you guys, this one's gonna be rough. But, of course, first, let's just get my usual spiel out of the way here. The information I'm going to tell you in this episode comes from or is confirmed by Selena's Aunt Cheryl, who is the family spokesperson. I've not personally seen Selena's autopsy or any kind of documentation about the crime scene. I also haven't spoken to the medical examiner, so just keep that in mind. But, again, also just keep in mind that this stuff is hard to talk about. Based on the information I believe to be true about how Selena's body was found, and the information I know to be true about the typical presentation of hypothermia and the typical timeline of human decomposition, there's a lot that doesn't make sense about the narrative that Selena wandered off and died of accidental hypothermia. So, trigger warning for this whole episode. I, this is, I don't want to talk about this stuff. It feels almost disrespectful to, like, talk about the state of someone's body and decomposition, but it's important to the story, and it's important to talk about this notion of hypothermia and, at least to me, how unlikely it seems. But I want to work backwards and start by talking about the one part about the search for Selena that does have a reasonable explanation as to how they missed seeing her body. Remember on night one, a thermal drone was flown over that field. The drone picked up animals, like small little rabbits, but didn't detect Selena. The undersheriff at that time, Eric Winburn, told local media that the drone was fighting strong winds that night, and that they were avoiding phone poles, which is why that drone just didn't make it far enough to find Selena. Which, looking at the measurements, it's possible. The distance of the phone poles is pretty close to how far out Selena was found, give or take a little, and if the drone was fighting strong winds, it does get windy out there, so it's possible. But again, still, that's only night one. What about the rest of the days that the search was still going on? How could her body have been missed? Especially in those first few days where the search had the helicopters and all those other resources. Well, I've really only heard one theory floated to kind of explain how that could have happened. And this theory is that 
When Selena was left at that rest stop, she walked really far out into the field, like over five miles. Because remember, the search was focused on a five mile radius of the rest stop. So in this theory, she would have walked so far that she would have initially been outside the radius of that search when all those resources, the helicopters, the horseback riders, were all there. And then, in this theory, she turned around and started walking back to the rest stop after the search had been scaled back. But then she froze to death less than a mile before she got all the way there. So in this theory, Selena and the search party just barely missed each other. Which, I mean, I don't know. Could be. Anything could be. But walking through the timeline, she went missing on January 1st. Let's say that somehow, by some miracle with no food or water or supplies, she made it for two days out there on her own before walking back. On January 3rd and 4th, her family was still camped out at that rest stop. Over a week later, cadaver dogs were brought in. And almost up until the time that Selena was found, there were people, and remember, a federal search team in and out of the rest area. So, I don't know. In my opinion, that version of events where Selena and the search party just barely miss each other, I don't know, it just seems a little bit far-fetched. And this theory still leaves a stretch of weeks where her body was inexplicably just not found. And this theory also leaves the very important question of why. Why would she do that? But before we get into that, I want to tell you a few more details about the potential timeline here, based on the condition of Selena's body. Again, to my understanding, Selena's body did not show the level of decomposition that you would expect of a body lying out in the elements for 20 days. Especially because that first week after Selena went missing, it wasn't very cold. Daytime highs were in the mid-40s. It didn't drop below 20 at night. Because of the low elevation of Billings, it's typically a milder winter there than in other parts of Montana. And so typically, three to five days after death, the body becomes bloated by gases that accumulate internally, sometimes so bloated that the body will double in size. And also around this time, three to five days, the skin turns green, more fluids leak, and the body becomes pungent. And as hard as it is to think about and say out loud, it's a point to be made that not only did nobody see anything, but nobody smelled anything. The cadaver dogs never smelled anything. And also, again to my knowledge, Selena's body had minimal, if any, signs of animal scavengers. And I've heard from Cheryl, along with others, I've seen from social media posts from the time, that people were looking in the sky for vultures. Nobody saw any. And it's not just that. There's coyotes around here. You would think they have a really strong sense of smell. How did they not detect her body? But all that said, it's possible that the chilly temperatures did slow down the process of decomposition. And maybe that's why her body didn't appear to have been deceased for 20 days. Decomposition is not an exact science. But for reference, I did look up the temperature of freezers at morgues, specifically meant to halt decomposition. And those freezers are kept between 14 and negative 58 degrees. And according to Wikipedia, even those temperatures don't stop decomposition completely. Selena was missing for 20 days, and at least the first seven of those 20 days were not freezing temperatures. But somehow, her body did not even show the signs of decomposition that typically present after three to five days. 
And also, it's my understanding that Selena's clothes were clean when she was found. Which, again, never seen documented proof of that. I have verified with Cheryl, but sometimes family is misinformed by law enforcement, so there's that. But if that is true, if Selena was found wearing clean clothes, this is case closed. Not case closed as far as what happened, but case closed as far as whether or not she did wander off and pass away of hypothermia in that field. When a person dies, the body relaxes and releases fluids. So for there to be no vomit, no urine, no feces on her clothing mean that those were not the clothes that she was wearing when she passed away. Or if they were, the clothes had been washed. And also, Selena was found to be fully dressed, which is interesting, considering the eventual hypothermia diagnosis. Here's Selena's Aunt Cheryl. Your body lies to you and tells you it's hot when it's cold. And if she right. would have had hypothermia, she wouldn't have had a sweater on, she wouldn't have had a socks and shoes on, she wouldn't have had anything on. The condition she's talking about is called paradoxical undressing, and it presents in about 20-50% to 50% of fatal hypothermia cases. In the final stages of the condition, shortly before the person passes away, their body temperature drops and they're disoriented. And it's at that point that the body will kind of trick you into feeling so hot that you have the urge to remove most or all of your clothing. Selena was actually missing a few articles of clothing that she was wearing when she left the house the night before. She was missing her black jacket, which has never been found. But also, I don't know for sure that she had it when she was left behind at the rest stop. For all I know, she could have left the jacket in the van, at Wade's house, or even at the bar or somewhere they went the night before. And at least from my research, paradoxical undressing rarely, if ever, presents as a person removing only a jacket. Also from my research, paradoxical undressing never presents as a person specifically removing jewelry. But Selena always wore two silver rings, and when she was found, neither were on her finger. The rings were found in opposite directions of Selena's body, both about 100 feet away. So how would that have happened? How would her rings have ended up so far from her body and in opposite directions? How does that fit in with hypothermia? Here's Cheryl again. You don't throw your rings off because you're hot. Are they trying to say that she was freezing, wandered around, dropped one of her rings somewhere, wandered around more, took off the other ring, dropped it, then wandered around more, and then laid down and passed away? Doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And I just feel like with those rings, it's either that they were going to be found within the first few days or not at all. Because they're so little. And think about all those people going through on foot, on ATV, horseback, trucks. No one ever either noticed the rings sooner or they didn't get pushed out of the way or stuck in a tire tread or kicked into a bush accidentally or something. I don't know, just... After 20 days, mysteriously, Selena's body shows up, and so do her rings? Just how? And there's also the question of how Selena would have even walked herself out to that spot in the field where she was found. Like, physically, how she would have gotten there. Here's her Aunt Cheryl again. Because she, she would have had to call over a bunch of fences, and they were barbed wire fences. And the very first fence she would have had to crawl over is probably about five feet tall. And it's a, um, little tiny squares where you can't even fit your foot into a square to boost over. 
So, you know, she had to have crawled about three fences, some bar, some um, barbed wire, leaving some kind of evidence if she was where she was. No, nothing. No evidence she went through there. No hair because of her long hair. One piece of hair would have caught on something going through all the fences. Right. She would have had ripped clothes. You know, if she was drunk, as they say, trying to stumble around through a barbed wire fence. Selena was behind two fences. As Cheryl said, the first one is a metal grid with wire and tiny squares. When I was at the rest stop, I tried to stick my foot in like I was going to climb over, and I couldn't do it. And also at the top, it's just barbed wire, so you don't have anything to hold on to and support yourself to boost over. And the second fence wouldn't have been hard to climb at all. It was one of those ones with just two beams going straight across post to post. But at least when I was there... There was a large sign on that second fence that said private property. And even if that sign wasn't there at the time, Selena would have known that it was private property. That field was clearly private property. I don't think it would have necessarily been physically impossible for Selena to get to that spot on her own, but it would have definitely been a challenge. Especially that first fence. Thinking of trying to climb that thing, if especially if you're out of sorts for any reason, whether, you know, they said she was potentially intoxicated, or even if she wasn't, she was just running in fear of something. I don't know. It just, as I said, it would be a challenge. And as Cheryl said, I don't understand how her hair didn't get caught or her clothing didn't get torn. But the ultimate question here, of course, is why? Even if Selena was trying to run away from someone or something happening at the rest area, Why would she have run off into a field? Wouldn't she have tried to run closer to the road, where hopefully someone driving by could help her? Because this rest stop isn't close to Selena's mom's house in Billings, or her grandma's house in Hardin, where she was supposed to be dropped off. It's not walking distance of either one. Selena was found slightly east of the rest stop, which is in the direction of Hardin. So it could be possible that she was trying to run back to Hardin, But even then, she would have had to catch a ride at some point. From the rest stop to Hardin is 20 miles. And Selena had spent her whole life in this area. She drove that stretch of highway at least twice a week going between her mom and grandma's houses. She would have known how far it was. And after the untimely deaths of her older brother and sister, Selena's family made sure that she knew what to do and where to run in an emergency. It just seems really out of character for her, or honestly for anyone, to run off into a field. The only official explanation I've seen for this unexpected behavior is that Selena was intoxicated. But first of all, I know drinking affects your judgment and makes you more likely to get hurt accidentally, but I don't think being drunk would make you do something this bizarre. Like, If you're drinking, you might stumble across the street without looking and get hit by a car, but you're not just going to go lay down in the middle of the street until a car hits you. So I don't really think that being intoxicated is a legitimate explanation here. And also, who's to say that's even true in this case? Who's to say that Selena was intoxicated at all? Because Selena's toxicology report revealed that she had no alcohol in her system at the time of her death. She also had no illegal drugs in her system, eliminating the possibility that maybe she ran into the field because she'd been drugged and was out of sorts. 
which the fact that she had no alcohol in her system doesn't fit in the police hypothermia narrative. I'm not exactly sure what tests they did for Selena's toxicology, but alcohol can be detected in blood for six hours after the person stops drinking, and in urine, alcohol can be detected from 12 to 130 hours, depending on different factors. And also, I mean, with her having clean clothes, for alcohol to leave your system, it leaves through the release of bodily fluids. It's just another reason why her clothes wouldn't have been clean. And Selena's mom was there at the rest stop within a matter of hours, and people were searching those fields all night. I just don't see any possible way that she lay out there in that field for even six hours and just slept through all the searches, through everyone calling her name, until she just froze to death? But of course, there's another explanation. Maybe she had no alcohol in her system in her autopsy because she had no alcohol in her system in the first place because she hadn't been drinking that day. We don't know for sure. But if that's the case, then that creates another hole in the hypothermia narrative. If she wasn't drunk, what's the explanation for why she would walk so far into that field? And there was another condition detected in Selena's autopsy called ketoacidosis. So I want to be clear that I'm making an edit here. In the previous version of this episode, I attempted to summarize ketoacidosis. I talked about the main causes and what the ketoacidosis detected in her autopsy could tell us about what happened to Selena. But an incredibly kind and helpful listener reached out, and she told me in the nicest possible way that most of what I said in that segment was wrong, which I really appreciate because I'm not intentionally trying to spread misinformation. In this case, I just thought I had a better understanding of the topic than I did. But even with my limited understanding, I think it's safe to say that the ketoacidosis in Selena's autopsy is not typical. I don't know what, but it does give some indication of what happened. But this time, I'm just going to give a brief overview. Ketoacidosis is a combination of acidosis and ketosis. Acidosis is a severe drop in the blood's pH level. Ketosis is a buildup of cells called ketone bodies in the blood, caused by a buildup of glucose. Ketoacidosis is when a buildup of ketone bodies causes a drop in the blood's pH level. This happens either as a result of unregulated diabetes or starvation. Or at least, those are the two main causes I found in my research, but there could be more. In cases of diabetic ketoacidosis, glucose builds up because there's no insulin in the blood to metabolize it. And that buildup results in ketosis, which, if left unregulated, becomes ketoacidosis. And in cases of starvation, the buildup of glucose happens because when you're not eating, your body will respond eventually by overproducing glucose to try to compensate. But no matter the root cause, ketoacidosis is a serious, life-threatening condition. Without intervention, ketoacidosis is why people starve to death, and why diabetics fall into diabetic comas. Selena was never diagnosed with diabetes, but maybe she did have it and didn't know. Some diabetics don't experience symptoms at all, and only find out they have diabetes from a blood test. That was my biggest mistake last time. I thought that undiagnosed diabetes was way more rare than it actually is. So that's one option. Or 
Maybe the ketoacidosis happened because wherever Selena was for those 20 days, she was starved. Both are possible, and unless Selena's autopsy is reviewed by a forensic pathologist and they share their opinion, I'm not really sure what else to say. But whatever the case may be with the ketoacidosis, I still don't think Selena died of accidental hypothermia out there. And in my opinion, there are quite a few legitimate reasons to doubt or at least question that narrative. But especially after the results of Selena's autopsy came back with hypothermia as the cause of death, it was reported as fact. Another Native American girl dead of hypothermia. Case closed. And I kind of get why it was reported like that, because autopsy results are thought of as a reliable indicator of the truth. But what I was surprised to learn looking more into Selena's case is that that's not always true. And the unreliability of autopsies, it has to do with the state of the system of forensic science and the fact that a vast majority of medical examiners are not fit for the job in one way or another. And also, hypothermia diagnosis itself is tricky, especially for a healthy 16-year-old like Selena. I read some case studies about fatal hypothermia, and in those case studies, Hypothermia was determined as the cause of death because of situational evidence that made it crystal clear that that's what happened. There has to be that situational evidence, because as much as it seems to come up in MMIW stories in Montana, hypothermia itself is a pretty elusive condition. And again, since I'm not a science person, I'm just going to read an excerpt from a medical journal called Forensic Science, Medicine, and Pathology to explain that better. The journal says, quote, Significant hypothermia occurs when the body core temperature falls from its usual 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit to below 95. The findings at autopsy can be quite subtle, and there's a lack of accord on the necessary features required to make the diagnosis. The article goes on to say, The major problems for forensic pathologists are, firstly, how to accurately identify cases, and then how to make a credible diagnosis. As with cases of hypothermia, the core temperature of the deceased at the time of death is not usually available. And so evaluation of potential cases at autopsy requires a clear understanding of the circumstances of the death. And no matter what you think happened, I think you can pretty objectively say that there's not really a clear understanding of the circumstances of Selena's death. Whether you think she did die by hypothermia out there, whether you think, like I do, that she was kidnapped and murdered and brought back, whatever you think happened, it's not clear how it happened. So I don't see how it could be so clear that it was hypothermia, so clear that the sheriff felt comfortable making that statement the same day that Selena's body was found. The most definitive physical indicator of hypothermia that shows up in an autopsy is something called Wieschneski spots. They are little black dots that appear on the organs. I don't know whether Wieschneski spots were noted in Selena's autopsy, but these spots only show up in between 40 and 90% of fatal hypothermia cases, which still leaves a pretty big margin of error. So while hypothermia isn't impossible as Selena's cause of death, to be able to reliably determine that, it would take a medical examiner who is competent, thorough, and uncorrupted. And the medical examiner who did Selena's autopsy I'm not sure is any of those things. The name of that medical examiner is Robert Kurtzman, and when I googled that name, 
I came across another story, kind of like Selena's. Another happy, healthy, and beautiful young woman who was found murdered. And another bizarre determination of the cause of death by Robert Kurtzman. So, maybe the reason hypothermia seems so strange and untrue with Selena's cause of death is because it is. Maybe this determination was the result of a botched autopsy. And maybe it's not the first time for medical examiner Robert Kurtzman. So, let's talk about him, his history, his career, his integrity, or lack thereof, next time. Thank you for listening to Out of Sight, Missing and Murdered. If you like what you heard, I'd love for you to leave a five-star rating and a review. Give a like and a follow on Instagram and Facebook, and tell a friend or share on social media to spread the word. The voices in the intro belong to Cheryl Horn and Desi Rodriguez-Lonebear, and I want to give a huge thank you to Cheryl and Terrell, and to everyone who has helped or hosted me on this journey. If you want to get in touch, or if you have a story you want to share, please message the Out of Sight Facebook page or email podcastoutofsight at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week.